I gotta get on that internet. I'm late on everything. You'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Now, the blueberry is one that can't work on its own. It has to have something with it, like the kiwi. It's uh, not a, a stand-alone fruit. Everybody, this is the D Man. Uh, welcome back to the Void, episode two. Uh, this is going to be our the first rendition of the Void Movie Club. Very, very excited. Um, way this works, pretty simple. Uh, me and my movie buddy, Big Al, Alex Adair. He's going to. Uh, he and I are going to chat up some movies here. I gave him a recommendation to watch. He gave me a recommendation to watch. We watched them both, took down notes. Uh, we're going to grade each one a scale of one to four. I'm sorry, zero to four. And um, yeah, we'll have a nice little uh, compilation list of movies in a few years. And you know, we can decide what our best ones were, or best ones weren't, things like that. It's a lot of fun. Basic movie club podcast kind of shtick here. Uh, I am joined uh, by my buddy, Big Al. Uh, Alex, how are you? I am doing well. Oh, that's excellent to hear. Was that a you, was that a beer you just cracked? Yeah, I I drink while I do a podcast. Why would I have a podcast if I wasn't going to drink? That makes that sounds like a great idea. It's great if you want to grab a beer. Well, the piss break might as well. You you can grab a beer at a piss break. <clears throat> um. So uh, yeah, let's go ahead and jump into it. Uh, way um again, the way we do this is pretty simple. Um. Uh, you gave me a movie recommendation. I gave you one. We watched them. Uh, and after that, we're going to do a little movie news as well. Um, I like movie news and, you know, we'll chop it up about what's coming soon, what's going on in the world of uh, entertainment, things like that. So let's, I mean, do you want to start with uh, your movie? Sure. Yeah. Awesome. I. Uh, so my movie, I went with the 1986 classic uh, starring Robert Redford, Deborah Winger and Daryl Hannah. Uh, legal Eagles, uh, about a, uh, you know, about a district attorney, assistant district attorney working in New York, uh, gets into some trouble, uh, tries to figure out exactly how he wants to, you know, handle a case working with uh, multiple different uh, ladies and, uh, you know, could potentially be career and life ending. Uh, it's directed by Ivan Reitman, a uh, story by Ivan Reitman. And uh, yeah, that's that's legal eagles. Yeah. So um, I don't know how you felt about. Do you want to give your review, and then I'll give my review of that movie? Like, do you want to like you have a nice synopsis there? Do you want to give your review? Go ahead. Okay. Um, not going to do the score yet. Just review. You review, then we'll score it together. I kind of think that hearing your review and me saying mine will probably help me figure the score out a little bit better too. You know. Mm -hmm. But. Um, I'm going to I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't like this movie. Um I but I don't think it's a bad movie. Um I looked on Rotten Tomatoes it was like in the 40s, 50s for um critics and about the same for audience and I I I kind of agree. Um I was shocked when I found out it was Ivan Reitman that directed this because when you think Ivan Reitman obviously you think Ghostbusters, you know, mm -hmm. um, stripes, stripes. Yeah. Like you, it, funny, funny movies. Right. And a guy who knows comedy, this was listed as a comedy slash thriller. I mm -hmm. didn't really get either from the movie. Um, I got, I'll give it, I mean, it, it was like, it was like a mystery. I mean, you know, obviously there's twists and turns throughout. Um, but the movie, the strength of the movie certainly is performances. You know, obviously you have Robert Redford. Uh, this was, I looked and this was kind of a, 
this was kind of right in the pocket. This is Daryl Hannah at the height of her powers. You know, this was um, after she had broken out. She was the hottest thing in Hollywood. And I actually thought she was pretty good in the, in the role, too, as kind of a vapid, you know, it girl, you know. But um, I oftentimes it was hard for me to follow along. I, I judge a movie with how often I check my phone, like out of boredom. And mm-hmm. that was a lot of phone checking, a lot of watch checking. It, it went in a lot of different ways. I kind of feel you compare it to Ghost. Again, I'm, I, I, I kept wanting to compare it to Ghostbusters because Ghostbusters is not a wacky movie. You know, it's not like it's not like Airplane or something, right? It's not some funny, like, haha, a joke every two minutes. It's jokes out of situation and, and stressors and things like that. This movie, I kind of felt, tried to follow the same dynamic in the way it was delivering the ha-has, but it just didn't. And then it also, the stakes weren't very good. And then, excellent. Look, again, performance-wise, this movie's really good. The bad guy, Brian De- being Brian Dennehy, ultimately, yeah. like how it, it gave you the three false finishes and you got oh whoa, whoa spoiler alert spoiler alert yeah spoiler for a for a for a 40 year old movie <laughs> shit and and what robert redford was already in his 50s when this movie came out darth vader is luke's father i don't give a fuck <laughs> <laughs> but um no, like uh, you, you meet this character brian dennehy who by the way was the character i was most invested in i wanted to see him more and it's like, the, what's the this Kavanaugh con- character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kavanaugh, the, the, de- the detective, right? Uh, and I'm like, oh, he's a cop, but he's got like, what's he got going on? And, and you know, you think he's altruistic and like a good guy. And then they just kind of flip it on the end as a bad guy. I kind of thought that was shitty to do with the character. Um, but this movie, something else I loved about this movie, speaking of Brian Dennehy, I love you. You and I both have an affinity for character actors. Right. Oh boy, <laughs> did this movie have character actors on character actors? How many times did you see somebody go, "Oh, that's the guy from," "Oh, that's the girl from," you know what I mean? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, Christine Baranski. Yes, yes. I did. I I was like, "Who is that?" Because she's young, young. Oh yes. Yeah. And I'm like, "Who is that? Who is that?" She looks like she looks like a TV person I know, and then it's like, "Oh yeah, that's the fucking bitch from uh, the Good Wife." Yeah. Yeah. So um good, you know, I just I would have expected I've heard of legal eagles many times because obviously, you know, it's also a phrase you hear, you know. Right. So when I was reading about it, I was like, this is a Robert Redford movie directed by Ivan Reitman. This has to be good. This and maybe, maybe unfortunately that hurt it for me because I was expecting so much more, but um yeah, well, and, and, be- you know, it was a comedy. It was a thriller. There was a lot of points where it seemed like they couldn't make up their mind on what kind of movie it was. Um, you know, it was a courtroom drama. It was um, there was suspense. There was, you know, all these different twists and turns. And I'm just trying to figure out what, where are we going with this movie? Sure. You know, it, it they you know, it starts off and it's got this fire and you're like, oh, my God, there's this crazy you know, backstory of, of what's going on. And then, you know, next thing you know, you've got this rom-com back and forth between him and, and Deborah Wayner. You're sitting there wondering, you know, what, where are we going with this? It's almost like the, it's almost like the movie couldn't decide what it wanted to be. Yes. Yeah. And by the way, that party at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. I, there's, if there if hell is a place it's that fucking party that looked like the most annoying fucking place to be on earth and i mean also, what you don't like terrence stamp with long hair i love terrence stamp with long hair i was <laughs> all about terrence stamp with long hair i was kind of pissed off later in the movie when you know when they did the time jump and he hey he, at least he, he still had hair dude oh, I, that was like um and also you obviously think that's another thing like Sometimes I sometimes I want a movie just to be a movie, right? Like I don't need 15 twists. Like Terrence Stamp has the chops to be a bad guy, you know? Yes. And they were building him up as the bad guy. And then all of a sudden, 
he's dead. And it's like, ah, allows the or was he? Well, no, because he shot in the face. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> he he was dead. Yes, um, but I mean, yeah, I think again, like I I love performances. I really do love when somebody gives a good performance, and this movie had that. Like Redford, Redford was charming, but just I th- there's something missing from this movie. Maybe this movie could have used a few more laughs, or maybe it could have used. I feel like there's a good, it's not a very long movie, but I feel like there's a good 20 minutes that could be cut out. And oh, yeah. the will they or won't they that he had with two. Also, Robert Redford, you said it like 56, right? Uh, I think he was 50 when it came out. 50, yeah. He's got it these, up. He, was, he was in his 50s, early 50s. He's got these two fucking smoke shows just beating themselves to be with him. And it's like, really? Like, that guy's old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it just it left. It, I felt like they left a lot to be desired. I mean, the whole chase scene with the the guy that was watching them, like there was no point to that. There was a lot of things that just, you know, they there were a lot of what seemed to be almost red herrings, just things that happened, and you just they didn't really matter at the end. Uh, Reitman. Uh, directed this obviously, but he wrote it too, right? He did the screenplay. Yes. I feel like a lot of times when you have, I feel like a lot of times when you have um, somebody write and direct a movie, maybe the script is better and then they change their mind and they don't, and, and because they wrote it, they don't care. They're like, oh, I'm going to pivot, you know? Um, right. So I do think I, like, I, I, I think, if we look at like the best movies out there, there's only a couple guys who can write and direct. Right. Mm-hmm. If we look at the best, <coughs> excuse me. If we look at the best movies out there, it's a writer you've heard of, you've seen other things, they've had awards and it's a director that you, that you've heard of and they, they've seen, they've seen, right. Of, they've gotten awards and it just, uh, I, I, maybe that happened in this movie where, he just decided to change a bunch because it's almost like he was telling five different stories and he didn't finish any of them. Well, no, that's not true. At the very end, Robert Redford gave up his stunning career to open up some, you know, shitty little defense thing with his newfound love. I'll tell you this. I'll actually tell you this because this, here's how I would have ended that movie. He doesn't open up the private law firm. Okay. And he decided, hey, you know what? I'm uh, I'm actually pretty good. Like I'm pretty good at like espionage, and uh, I'm a pretty good private detective. He opens up a private detective term and firm, and then you make two or three more movies. Maybe they're even better. You know? Oh boy, because oh, that's boy. really what this movie was. It was like a detective film. You know? It was. I mean, a lot of things fell into his lap. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of times where they're they're sleeking around, and I'm like, oh, are. are are what are they doing? Are they are they allowed to be here? And I'm like, wait, no, they're not cops. They don't get to just you know yeah. get to discover things. They're they're lawyers. They they don't have a lot of you know power to be sneaking. Like there's a lot of times where things were happening, and I'm like, it's just that he said she said at this point, right? Like there's no evidence. It was there was a lot of things that just kind of seemed thin. It was a lot of um, leaving it up to you know. Um, just, just letting it, you have to just assume and, and just believe that the story is just going to work out. Like at the end, they leave with those paintings in that big uh, case and they get out of this burning building after it's been burning for God knows how long. There's all these fire and police outside and they just push them out. Nobody checks to see what they just took out of this massive art uh, museum that's mm-hmm. owned by some very rich guy. Right. You know, it just, it just seems... It, 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 there were a lot of things that just were overlooked that weren't super realistic to kind of just push the story along. Where were they? This is my favorite scene. Um, they were in some business. Was it like an insurance agency where he and his assistant, his legal assistant, they uh, like he's pretending to be a new hire there and he like gets a file he needs to figure out. I think he was out. in like City Hall. Was that City Hall? It was some, I thought I think it was, it was something like, like that. Well, anyway, that was really cool where he's like, hey, honey, uh, I just need those new files. It reminded me of Seinfeld when Costanza gets the Penske file. <laughs> yeah. It's just that, well, I'm going to need was, an office. 
Yeah, that was <laughs> that was funny. I, I actually now I, I, I this like is a perfect time to tie this in. Um, you know, you mentioned there's a lot of character actors in this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of faces in this movie. Yeah. Um, who uh, did did you happen to catch? It, it's my favorite cameo. Uh, I don't know if you necessarily call it a cameo, but uh, Liz Sheridan. Yes, I did notice that. I good. Um, I did notice Liz Sheridan. Uh, that was dirt. That was when. Oh God, this movie has so many things that happen. It was um, during the courtroom scene when he's right. saying, "Oh, you've already made it." Oh, yep. She Which, was. By the she way, was, she speech. was the main juror, right? She was the one front and center. Yeah. Good old Helen Seinfeld. Yeah, that was. Uh, and he and I think she had she had a. She had a line too, I think. She had it, it was it was when he was talking about and was like, Well, if you've already made up your minds, then you know, we have this whole thing about presumed innocence. So you need to take a step back and not. And it was a pretty good, you know, legal speech. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, he was the one, she was the one that was kind of answering him there. He also like anytime they were in um anytime they were in the courtroom, like that was good, like that worked. Um, yeah. I think, like, I think Redford had that, he had that role, that piece of the role down. They really, I mean, that, the movie should have taken place more in, in the courtroom and it would have, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it would have been nice to see a little bit more of the winger character. Um, what was her Kelly something? Her last name was Kelly. Yeah. Uh, Laura Kelly mm-hmm. doing, um, you know, the only time you really got to see her do the, the legal, you know, the speech, um, was at the beginning when she's you know making this you know, ridiculous claim that you know the guy that she's representing got 27 TVs as gifts from his family. Mm-hmm. You know we never it was all just Robert Redford as, as the rest of the movie. It would have been kind of nice to see her like really defending someone who has an actual purpose or an actual reason to be defended. So there's a phrase in wrestling and pro wrestling called being booked strong. So it's like we're gonna make this guy look good like we're gonna we're gonna take care of this guy we want we want the audience to revere this guy as like a strong capable performer you know Mm -hmm. the best movies are when everybody gets booked strong when everybody like when you can tell that the directorial staff the producing staff they're the writing like the the roles are written well everybody gets a chance to be the best version of what their character this movie, Redford's great, Dennehy's great, Terrence Stamp is great. Everybody else is kind of an afterthought. I thought Daryl Hannah's performance was not very good. It very, like I said, it was very vapid. Maybe that was the character, but they gave her that whole like artsy fartsy scene where she's reliving the the fire that that killed her dad. Yeah, and it like it just it they didn't, and I don't think that's a problem for her. I think that's the way it was written, like. I, it, they they didn't bo- they didn't book their characters very strong and and that's sad like this movie i laughed once or twice situationally yeah um, it wasn't it wasn't a good chuckler yeah and that's what they, but i could tell that's what they wanted like they wanted right. to be you know um like the the whole thing oh you know it was funny this this was great too when they're trying to show us how bad their insomnia is and that girl just that girl just houses ribs and Chinese food and pizza. The, the hot dog out of the package yes. with the mustard. Oh yes. my god! And then she went back. It's like, did they drug test in New York for uh, you know if, if you're working as a lawyer? Like she definitely had to be stoned to be munching out that. I hard. didn't catch that. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, she was just eating and eating. Another thing that I don't know if it was a comedic thing. I doubt it was. But it was um, how they, I, I think they used angles to kind of make, they wanted to make the the Daryl Hannah character, yeah, um, they wanted to make her seem just like supermodel tall. Which well, she just, is kind tall. Of, okay, she's five foot ten. I looked this up because it was it was bothering me. But is it, like they but made her Redford look like, she, like, but isn't Redford kind of like Tom Cruise? I always thought he was like five seven or something. He's also five foot ten. Oh, that is, I always thought he was like a short guy. Um, so, okay. So then yes, it was just, it was that. just odd. Cause they, they boosted it to make it seem like, and maybe it was that she was just this, this larger than life, just beautiful, you know, tortured soul. 
But like when she first walked in, when they're in the um, uh, when he's getting uh, the speech at the the dinner for whatever that was, the award show or something where he got um, the, the current D.A. was talking him up and was endorsing him. And, you know, Daryl Hannah and Deborah Winger walk in and make that whole scene like she looked like she was seven feet freaking tall. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I remember thinking that, but I always in my head, because I think Daryl Hannah came from modeling. Um, I in my head, I always I actually went into this movie thinking she's very tall. And I and for some reason in my head, I thought Redford was short. Um, now that you point that out, I'm, I'll probably if I ever see this movie on cable again, I'll probably pay more attention to that. Um, but something else, maybe that's just kind of something Daryl Hannah does, because she didn't she seem really big in Kill Bill? Mm. Well, maybe that's not, also not she, that maybe that's not that domineering. But that, I might also be thinking that just because she was surrounded by a bunch of eighty pound Asian women jumping yes. around and doing gymnastics, so that's uh, that's po- that's possible that too. Because I know Uma Thurman's <laughs> very tall. Yeah. I watched the uh, <laughs> I watched the sign to bring up Seinfeld again. I watched the Seinfeld episode today where uh, Kramer meets Uma Thurman and uh, writes down um, her number on a laundry ticket for oh Jerry. yeah, and then he sells the suit and the ticket to Banya. Oh god, what a great episode. Um, so what do you give this movie? You it was your movie. Why don't you rank it first? Ah, <sighs> so so let's. I guess Going first of all, zero to four. And you can okay. do decimals. Okay. Um, I mean, I didn't. I didn't love it. Um, I one point seven. Yeah. Um, I was afraid to give it something that low. I think that. I mean, I think. I think with the number of names that are in it, and the fact that, like, yeah, you've heard about it, but it's not a movie you feel the need to see. Like it's it's down there on you know Reitman's list. It's mm-hmm. not in the top five by any means. Certainly not. Yeah. I just there's I feel comfortable just not really giving it a great like it's not a I I can't say that I wasted my time watching it. Like okay, I saw it. I got to see these characters. You know these actors act in this specific way, but overall, just I don't feel the need to watch it again. Like you said, if you see it on cable, maybe you pay attention to it. If I see it on cable, I'll probably change the channel. If this movie, uh, if this movie were made today, who would play Redford's character? Um, Pedro Pascal. No, I don't think so. You want to know why? Why is that? Because this movie would be made where the two women would be doing everything, and he would be looking like a bumbling idiot, and it would be Seth Rogen. Mm, okay you know what i mean yeah i could see that um i'm gonna give it i did i did like redford's performance i thought he kind of he kind of is that character you know what i mean um i want to give it two because that's 50 percent. i don't think it's 50 percent. um i'm gonna give it a 1.7 as well and that's unfortunate but you know it is what it is Again, I mean, it, 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 it was, it, it, like I said, it didn't, it wasn't a movie that I would say it wasted my time. I wouldn't tell anyone not to watch it necessarily because there are aspects of it that are enjoyable, but yeah, it's just, I can't, I can't put it on a pedestal. I can't put it on a, it, it wouldn't make a list if I, I was to make a list. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, like the only list that this movie's on is right now new to Netflix, and um, it's on the list of movies that we've talked about on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> not, there's three people that will listen to this. Hey. Um, <laughs> um, you think I'm going to listen to this again? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so. So. I My movie was yes. Hard Eight. It is 1997, I believe, and it stars John C. Riley, Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, and you know what? I hate to bring it up again, but Seinfeld, you know, famous from Seinfeld, Philip Baker Hall, 
And um, I wouldn't really say Samuel L. Jackson was, well, no, he's a supporting character. He's in, he's in it more than a cameo, right? So, and right. Samuel L. Jackson. Um, this movie. Do you want was... to just go ahead and get our favorite cameo out the way? <laughs> Which one was yours? <laughs> uh, of course, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. Yes, yes absolutely. That's the answer. So, um, yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman is fantastic in this for 12 seconds. And God, the oh my God, I have a list of actors and actresses longer than my credit line that I would give up today just to have Philip Seymour Hoffman back for one project. Is this his first? uh, No, Um, he had been working, but this was his first. I mean, I think... So the director of this movie was Paul Thomas Anderson. Right. And uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Paul Thomas Anderson worked frequently together after this. And and surprising, I mean, I guess at that time, Paltrow, John C. Riley, they weren't that big. Um, no. I don't really know where Sam Jackson was at that point. But I mean, pretty yes. decent cast for Paul Thomas Anderson's first movie. So PTA, Paul Thomas Anderson, he did a lot of, um, he did, a, this was his first feature. He, he was known for, for short movie, for short films and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, this is his first feature. And um, he found, so Paltrow obviously is from a famous family, right? Mm-hmm. But the, um, you know, Philip Baker Hall wasn't some leading man. You know, and John C. Riley wasn't really known either. Um, they had worked, but very little. And Sam Jackson, I mean, just remember, just a few years prior, Sam Jackson has a cameo, and it's his first thing blowing up on coming to America, right? Being the guy sticking up the restaurant, right? Right. So, um, this movie, um, I'll go. Uh, well, you know what? I started the last movie. Why don't you start this movie? Well, I, I, I actually, I did cut you off. Um, you didn't give your synopsis. Oh, yeah. So, um, thank you. <clears throat> so, we, uh, so it's, it's, it's the story of the relationship of this old man and this young ne'er-do-well, right? And this old man kind of finds this guy homeless and builds him into something. And then obviously, you know, tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme, sees him veer off into um you know not ideal situations so that's the synopsis of the movie. um but what'd you think like what like uh tell me tell me tell me how you felt about the movie um so first of all i mean paul thomas anderson this is another movie um that is oddly enough both written and directed by the same person um it you know he's got a great repertoire not repertoire um list of movies got a great whatever you call that catalog um and he it just seems like this one also similarly just couldn't really figure out what kind of movie it wanted to be and maybe that's because i went into it with a different like i was looking for something like it starts off very early on you've got you know um philip baker hall being like, oh, I'm going to teach you how to gamble. And he shows him a couple tricks, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be cool. I thought it was going to be like almost like a gambling movie. You know, whether it's, you know, those old, um, you know, The Color of Money, or it's um, 21, any of those, The Cincinnati very, Kid, that kind very of Very much a Color of Money vibe in the first five minutes or so, yes. Yeah, and he's just like, okay, I'm going to give you some money. I'm going to teach you how to do this. And then as the movie goes on, you know, then there's this love interest, Gwyneth Paltrow. You've got, you know... The, the Philip Baker Hall kind of has his way of, you know, he's got his way that he believes that he does what he does. And it's very, you know, kind of by the book. He's a quiet guy, very respectful. And as the, as the movie goes on, you just kind of like, they just kind of keep shifting different angles. It's, oh, we've got a, um, you know, this guy's in love with this girl. Oh, this girl is doing nefarious things to make ends meet. You've got, you know, next thing you know, they're in love, they're married, there's a dead guy. There's this whole twist at the end where it's like, oh, you know, now I understand why this random gentleman is taking care of this random ne'er-do-well and, you know, helping him out. And it, it, it ties everything together 
but I just didn't see, you know, I, it just wasn't what I expected from the beginning, I guess, yeah. as, as the, like, I don't think it was necessarily a bad movie. I just don't think it was, you know, it just didn't, it didn't seem to grab me. It didn't seem like it, it again, it couldn't make up his mind. Um, it's very, but I mean, that seems to be the, the thing with a lot of, you know, the directors we watch nowadays, a lot of their first movies seem to be, you know, the, the ones that are written, directed by themselves. They're just kind of off. They're just kind of different. And I mean, the one that's coming to mind is Bottle Rocket. Just a weird movie. The first movie that was Wes Anderson's first. God, you love Wes Anderson. I love Wes Anderson. God. Um, I What's that movie with the dogs where they go to the Isle of Dogs? Place? Yeah, I wish I could send everybody who loves Wes Anderson to the <laughs> Isle of fucking Trash. God, I think it's I think the, it's great. I the uh fucking what's that one fucking movie that Joe's always talking about? Fucking uh Grand Budapest. Uh, great yeah. movie. Great uh, movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not for me. It's not for me. That's fine. You like Ben Affleck. All right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna take. <laughs> I do love Ben Affleck. Fucking, I I gotta suck his dick. Um, <laughs> uh, we're gonna take a quick break here. We'll get back with my review of Hard Eight. Uh, That's we'll time we'll rank it. Yeah, we'll rank it, and then um, then we'll uh, we'll share some movie news. It'll be fun. So uh, stick with us, everybody. We're gonna take a quick piss break. You know something. Something about piss breaks and and talking about movies just made me think. Like, if they're going to keep making two and a half, three hour movies, we really just need to bring back the intermission. Like, g- give me time to go get a soda, take a leak. I, it's it's just unnecessary for. I mean, I'm loving these these long movies. You know, getting all this content, really answering all the questions. But I, it's not working out for me when I got to miss. I got. I don't know what I'm going to miss. Tarantino did a uh, did an intermission in. I don't think he did one in Once Upon a Time, but I think he did one in Hateful Eight, and it was w- well needed. Yes. But anyway, um, so I'm I'm saddened to hear that you didn't like it as much as I thought you would. Um, so my review here of Heart Eight, this might be one of my favorite movies now. Really? Um, yeah, it's I. I'm kind of close to saying it's a masterpiece. So wow, yeah. So from the very beginning of the movie, it's almost nothing is happening to the main character is Philip Baker Hall. Nothing is happening to him throughout this movie. Everything else, everything happens to everybody else for the most part. Right. Yeah. And it's weird because it's almost like a character study from him. So at the beginning of the movie, you're wondering when, um, when he shows up to the restaurant and John C. Riley's character, who John, so so Sydney is Philip Baker Hall, John is John C. Riley. Um, when um, 
when Sydney shows up to the restaurant and he sees him down on his luck, you kind of just think like, okay, so he just found him organically, right? Right. And he immediately is laying the breadcrumbs, right? Like, oh yeah, you know, what are you doing here? Why are you, you know, why are you here? John tells the story about his mom and needing the money and shit like that. <clears throat> and uh, Sydney explains to him one of the things was i think he needed six thousand dollars for his mom right yeah yeah and sydney keeps telling him it's like hey i can get you a night at a hotel i can get i can get you to live for free essentially here in vegas but i'm i'm not going to get you six thousand dollars by pulling these cons right right like you can't earn it that way and again spoiler alert Somewhere along the way, Sydney killed John's dad, which led John down this road. And Sydney chased this guy down, found him, and felt, you know, felt like he needed to father him. If you actually watch this movie, he's trying to teach John C. Riley's character like right and wrong, how to, you know, uh, how how to live your life. And he's essentially like, you know, I mean, when when John falls in love with Gwyneth Paltrow's character, he's the one that sends him off on his, he, it's very fatherly. You know? Well, I mean, we didn't know when he, you know, has the night where he's like, takes Gwyneth Paltrow out and he brings her back. And he's like, no, you're sleeping in a bed tonight. Like, first of all, we don't know if, like they mentioned after that, that she needed to stop by her place. Mm-hmm. We don't know where her place is, what her place is. We don't know how much Sydney knows about her place. Sure. But we do know that, you know, he, is basically trying to help you find out that he's trying to help out the John C. Riley character because if you find out that they've been seeing each other for a couple of weeks at this point. Yeah. And, and, and I, we don't know if Sydney knows that, but Sydney's basically like, Oh yeah, no, you sleep in this bed. Oh, he's going to come back. He won't mm-hmm. bother you though. Yeah. And it's like, is he setting, like, is he trying to help him out in that way? I think he's trying to like teach his, cause he's kind of, emotionally because that's after the initial time hop because if you remember so he shows him the grift at the vague at the vegas at the um casino where hey you get this card and you spend the 50 bucks you get the 50 bucks back then you spend 200 bucks right mm-hmm. and you actually only gambled away six bucks and they gave you a free room right right so it's so and then he comes back to the hotel that night and he sees what John was able to do with the 50 bucks that he gave him. Right. And then there's a, there's a time hop where the next time you see him, he's playing Keno, which is just such a baller ass fucking move. An old man sitting at a table by himself playing Keno, drinking a Jack and Coke. And uh, well, and remember if you drink while you're gambling, you're not going to win. Exactly. Yeah. Lots of great little pieces in this movie. There was, well, I mean, the, the amount of the money amounts, like it was $6,000 to bury the mom, but also yeah. he only That's had right. $6,000 on I couldn't remember him. if she had to be buried or if she, uh, um, I watched the movie like two weeks ago. I, I couldn't remember if she had to be buried or she had like, she needed like a, a lung or something. No, she needed to be no. buried. But then when, when Samuel L. Jackson shakes him down at the end, he has $6,000. And it was another yeah. thing where it was like, $300 popped up a couple times. Yeah. Like that was the amount that the, the guy owed the uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's character, but also that was another amount. I don't remember what it was, but it was just kind of just, he was tying comparisons throughout mm-hmm. the movie. It was weird. It was weird seeing Gwyneth Paltrow in a role like this because, you know, she's normally the altruistic good person character you know, she's normally some type of hero when she's in a movie, right? Right. And she's such a, in this movie, Clementine, she's so, it's, I mean, she. you've never been to Vegas, right? I have. Yeah. Once. It's, if you ever meet the people who work in Vegas, like, do, like their lives, their lives led them there, you know? Yeah. No, but, people... People who spend time in Vegas, yes. Well, it's not even, it's actually just kind of like the service industry. If you know somebody who's like a, um, a veteran of like, like working at bars or restaurants, 
they've made a career out of serving. Like they typically have some things in their past that are a little grimy, a little dirty, you know? And she was so, I mean, you want to talk about ne'er-do-well, like she is a ne'er, I mean, she's she's an amateur prostitute, right? Right. It's so unlike what we've come to know from Gwyneth Paltrow. I mean, we're talking about, Gwyneth Paltrow, we're talking about um, Shakespeare in Love, you know, she was Emma, (laughs) you know? Um, Um, She she was uh, in the Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, yeah. Well, that character is a little <laughs> that her character there. Yeah. Um, I was just also kind of bomb. her her character there is also kind of a shitty person too, you know. Yes. Well, and it was also like you have that moment where <clears throat> she walks away, or yeah, she walks away. Samuel Jackson's character makes some reference. Uh, Philip Baker Hall yells at him, and is like, "That's not how you talk to people." And then you find out that she does. Like you, it leads you to believe in that moment that she is a good girl. You know, she is a good, not, she, well, she's not doing those sort of nefarious things. And then you find out very shortly after that, yes, yeah, she is. Yeah. Very, like, it's a tragic story, right? And she's great and she's fantastic. She is. Oh, she did a great job. They, they're, the moments that I'm watching this movie, anytime philip baker hall and gwyneth paltrow are on screen together it's they had such a great chemistry and so she she was so excellent in this movie um i thought that um i just i i love the story of so you know fast forward they uh samuel jackson says hey after you know the 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 climax hits you know after Philip Baker Hall sends them off because he found them trying to grift that guy, right? Um, Samuel Jackson's like, hey, I I know about Atlantic City. And that's right. such a great, like that's when he looks at him because you get the feeling that Sam Jackson, because he does security for in, in, in Vegas, right? Right. Indoor security too. It's it's almost like we we like to think that you know he's these characters know everything, right? They're mm-hmm. professionals, like they like they know it. The way he's shaking Philip Baker Hall down for money, it's almost like he it's his first time. You know what I mean? He yeah. looks over. It's they. They have that moment. That's actually kind of a nice moment. You actually kind of think the movie's going to end with Hall looking at Jackson, saying, "So you're not going to do anything, right?" And he's like, "No, no, no, I'm not. I don't. I don't care about you guys. About, I don't care about them shaking down that guy for the money. I don't care about Clementine being a prostitute. Like I, you know, I just want you to know, secret safe with me, no problem." And right. Baker Hall and him have that moment where it's like, "Okay, cool." And I thought the movie was just going to end in the call, right? Like. We all live with our sins, and that's kind of what the movie's saying. Mm-hmm. And then there's that beat and Jack and Samuel Jackson. This is a really like, this is a really good role for Samuel Jackson. He plays a despicable character. Yes. He looks over at him and he says, "You know, I know about Atlantic City." Yeah. And in that moment, you see like Philip Baker Hall fucking loses it. He's tell him to fuck off all this shit he runs over his car you think you know samuel jackson takes out the gun you think that you know he he drops the keys right and that's just such a cliche moment right right and you think oh no it's done and then all of a sudden it takes you out of it and he shoots through he uh he fucking smashes through the window and it's like and i did i love the line when he smashes the window and then he goes move over yeah and makes makes him sit in the glass it's like damn Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and then they you know, negotiate what the payoff is and all that stuff. And it's so uncomfortable. Like when they go back to the hotel room and he's getting the money for him and all that shit. Like it's so uncomfortable. And it, it's so good. It was it was so perfect. Those those two together. I think it's kind of sad that Philip Baker Hall, I never I just knew him as the sign as the guy in Seinfeld, as the right. bookman, right? Yeah. Like what like 
man, those two work great together. And then he, you know, he tails him, finds out where he lives and fucking shoots him in the fucking chest, you know, he gets his money back. Um, I'd like to see, I want to see a prequel of this movie about Atlantic City. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I want to see what, because there's more to that character than what we saw. We saw some guy who's just living in Vegas rent free, right? He's, he's working the system. How did he get to that point? How did he learn all that stuff? Like, that's the kind of guy I want to see. And then obviously he's a man of action. He's killed well, Samuel and, Jackson. I mean, there's a lot of Samuel Jackson characters where you kind of sit there and you're like, I kind of wonder how that character got to be that character. Oh, I was talking and, about Phil Baker Hall's character. Well, yeah. Like, I wanted, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it also like, it almost feels like, like Tarantino when in Jackie Brown, the um, Ordell Robbie role that yeah. Sam Jackson plays, mm-hmm. it almost feels like this was, inspiration for that character like almost the way like a he continuation of that character yeah yeah definitely just without the hair yeah um so i'm kind of afraid to do this but i'm gonna give my i'll give my uh uh my score um this is this after seeing this this became one of my favorite movies it's not a perfect four it's not jaws it's not um what else do i love i love uh Banshees. Yo, Banshees of Inisherin. Banshees of Inisherin was a it's great movie. Four. Um, it's not. It's not those. It's a. I'm gonna give it a three point six. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go pretty high on it. I. I love. I loved that movie, and I'll watch it again. I kind of think maybe I'll dust it off this weekend and 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 revisit it just a couple weeks. I mean, later. I, I. I will watch it again. I didn't hate it. Um, I didn't love it. Uh, definitely not to the level you did. Um, mm-hmm. I think that. I, I don't, I, maybe, maybe I need to give it another watch. Um, you know, one thing that, you know, kind of rips me is, it was not, I mean, it has nothing to do, well, everything has to do with the, the, how I give it the score, but like the name of the movie, Heart Aid, it like, it shows early on, you know, that um, the Sydney character, he, that's how um, you know that Sam Jackson knows who he is. Not, not that he knows about Atlantic City, but that he, he knows him from before that moment or that moment in time where they're in Vegas. And they mentioned the heart eight and he's like, no, I didn't hit it. And then later on, they gamble it. He doesn't hit it. And then later, even later, Sam Jackson hits the heart eight. Yeah. And, it's and then just, it's, Philip Seymour it's like, what are, doesn't what hit are the we, heart eight. Yeah. It's like, what are you trying to tell me? What is, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm picking up what he's putting down with what the heart eight symbolizes. Um, I think so. I mean, a heart eight is, is it uh, just that it's a gamble? It's uh, yeah. Like it's, it's the big win in craps. Right. I think. Right. So uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a tough. Yeah. Bet. Like it's yeah. And, and actually maybe that Philip Seymour Hoffman scene tells us a little bit more than we thought. Cause you're so, it's so intoxicating to watch him work. He's so fuck. Like how much do you hate that guy? How much do you not want to be around that guy? You know what I mean? And right. um, you know, so maybe, but maybe he's hiding some things in there because Hoffman doesn't hit that heartache. Right. And then ultimately he 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 and he loses himself and Philip Baker Hall a lot of money by not hitting it, right? Right, because he puts two grand on it again. Yeah, I wonder how much. I wonder if he's. I wonder if PTA. I wonder if Paul Thomas Anderson is trying to tell us maybe like best laid plans of mice and men off and go awry kind of thing. Um, that's a good point. That's that's actually that's something I'm going to think about for a while. But yeah, I, I give it a three point seven um, um, or three point so six. I, I love that movie. I'm giving it a two four. It's fair. It's fair. I think two four. Would you tell somebody? Would you suggest this movie to somebody? Would you try to put them onto it? If they're film people, mm-hmm. I might say, "Hey, uh, have you seen it? You know, get their idea of it." Um, but just the the layman, the the normal moviegoer, I probably would say it, the guy. It, yeah, you, the guy who just goes and sees like whatever Marvel movies out or something that they're probably you wouldn't, not going to. Yeah. If I didn't find it that enjoyable, I don't think somebody who watches, I'm not saying I'm the creme de la creme of movie watchers, but you know, I just, I don't think, I don't think it would be something that most people would enjoy. That's I, did fair. See, yeah. I did see some random little 
tidbit when I was looking up some stuff online. Apparently, the uh, this was such an unknown movie that when he came out with later movies um, and got more known, he uh, DVDs for this movie were selling for boo bucks on Amazon. I don't remember oh, yeah. the number, but it was like it was crazy. Well, he's become. I mean, he's become the a lot of people would consider him the great filmmaker of our time right like some people would say because he's because yes scorsese is still making movies you know but you're saying of our time yeah but scorsese was before like he his time was before right where when you name directors that you and i grew up with and are still doing it like got there like they got their break in the 90s. They made movies in the 2000s, 2010s. When we talk about the, the big name directors, you don't get far down the list before you say, most people are going to say Tarantino first, right? Mm-hmm. And then the Coen brothers. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I mean... I, Wes Anderson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, he definitely belongs in that echelon of tarantino cohen brothers paul thomas anderson well i'll say wes anderson you know people like his fucking movies or something um pta has directed who's the guy that made who's the guy that fucking just made elvis and he made romeo and juliet baz lerman you know yeah yeah like those guys you know like those you know those those guys um john (laughs) fabio okay the most important man in modern cinema uh, okay. Um, maybe. Uh, all right. Well, that's a bummer. I want to do like that movie more, but that's okay. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, next, uh, next, next, next is next. Uh, let's go ahead and talk some movie news. Um, yes. I got a couple things. You got a couple things. You want to go first? Sure. Um, I think the biggest, um, the biggest movie news that has dropped right now um, is the uh, separation of Victoria Alonso from Marvel Disney. Um, I know that's a little bit away from the kind of stuff that we are, you know, we, we watch two very old, not very old, older movies um, that are oh, it's, but a little bit. News. The, the, right. the whole idea of a blind spot movie club is we're watching the movies that don't get, but I mean, I still, I'm still very interested in what's going oh, absolutely. on with the MCU and all that shit. Absolutely. Right. But I'm, I'm just saying it's more so like, I mean, and I don't think there's anybody out there that thinks phase four Marvel has been stellar by any means. Um, and the, the separation of Victoria Alonso, I mean, there's still articles coming out that say, you know, it, maybe she was a scapegoat. Maybe she was, um, you know, they're, they're saying she is, you know, this evil entity that was creating all these problems that VFX companies have sworn off Disney, Marvel. Yeah. So what did she do? Like, what, what was her role? Like, what was her job title? Her job title. Oh, that's going to take me a second to find. She was like a she was involved very strong with vfx um the production chief she was a production chief okay um see uh yeah she was chief of production for captain marvel um which also was a a miss oh this is that movie didn't look very good either If, if she deals with like vfx and she's like in charge of hiring the people who do that that movie didn't look very well. I, I keep saying this. I've told you this a million times. Yes. If you go... Yeah, she was executive president of production at Marvel Studios. Okay. If you, from a, from a VFX standpoint, if you saw Wakanda forever, yes, and you saw that scene where Ironheart was getting suited up, for the mm-hmm. first time, like in the big, in the, in like the, the tech suit, right? Yes. The 18 year old that's smarter than Tony, Tony Stark. It, it, <laughs> I don't know if we talk about that too, but um, the, <laughs> it looked like an old flash cartoon from like 2004. It was yes. awful. It was pretty bad. Okay. So here's I, there. <laughs> Iron Man, the first Iron Man came out in 2008. The suit up scene when he's in the desert and he's, 
like fucking merkin fools when he goes when he goes back to the desert not you know when he goes yeah. back after painting the suit uh red and or crimson and gold or whatever the colors are when he goes and he just stands there and and jarvis just when he fucking that 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 looked real and it looked it looked you could see the scratches and the titanium all that shit right what and also if you saw thor when fucking that uh when that kid when heimdall's son's head is floating around it looked it's not right. <laughs> it's not right. right what they're doing. And these movies are not good. They're they're they are dying off. Like they're they're not pulling people to the theaters like they did. They're yes, they're having massive first weeks, but then there's a huge drop off in the second week at the box right. office. Um you know, I mean, maybe it's a little bit like uh like in football when a head coach fires a offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator, kind of save their job and use them as a scapegoat, like you said, but I, I don't know. I The Marvel Cinematic Universe and the whatever this DCU thing is, they're going to exist. Um, but I, I really, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm off. I'm off. I'm, I'm off the train. Like it's gotta be a major event to get me. I haven't seen most of the shows. Um, I, walked out of thor i walked out of wakanda um i uh yeah i just it's not it's not for me anymore and it's, and and for uh, for a while it was politically it wasn't for me now i just don't think they're as good of movies well and i mean if i've said it once i've said it a million times you know we we were excited for the first few movies you know at the very beginning of phase one it was just exciting that they were building something and then you slowly got the the infinity stones and it culminated over three phases of mostly pretty damn good movies and you were you were excited it, it, it told a story it told took you know 20 movies to tell one story and then it kind of started over but we weren't excited again we 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 you know how are you going to beat infinity war and endgame so maybe maybe they came out with some shit movies so that we can lower our expectations. Maybe they did it for, they think they're doing great. They're trying things, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I, it, it, we could be 10 years down the road and go, wow, we didn't realize what those movies meant. But I doubt it. You know, who, hopefully they have a plan in place and that plan creates another great story arc, but we'll have to wait and find out. Yeah, I mean, you you can wait and find out. I'm I am off. Um, all right. Um, next story here. Yeah, what you got? Who who are some of the it boys right now in in movies? Who is making movies, getting casted, getting uh, all that good stuff? And it just doesn't seem like they 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 miss. Who who's who's one of those guys? If you had to say, uh, biggest name I mentioned earlier, Pedro Pascal. He's certainly uh go absolutely maybe a rung, crushing it go maybe a rundown and and also somebody who i think is a very good actor mm. rung down very good actor. because pedro pascal is, that's a hot, hot fire he is in everything oh, yeah. right now so oh, maybe right. maybe not as hot as him but constantly you hear his name and oh he's connected to this movie he's connected to this movie uh tom holland or is that no, too big no but i mean i, I don't expect you to get this uh, adam driver is oh yeah a huge meteoric rise and he's becoming a franchise guy he's in a bunch of franchises um obviously star wars well, i guess star wars is over but um so i came across this story and it it hit me hard i like i like adam driver he's a marine mm-hmm. He's a good actor, uh, big, strong, fucking cock diesel dude. Um, Adam Driver being eyed for key Heat 2 role. Uh, Heat is one of my favorite movies. Um, I love that movie. I, I consider, I also consider it a masterpiece. If you, and a lot of people haven't seen Heat, if you've, a lot of people, I, I I stand by this 100%. If you've seen Dark Knight, you've seen Heat. Um, so I suggest everybody go out and see Heat because everybody fucking loves Dark Knight. And 
you should like Heat too. Um, I surprisingly have not seen Heat. Oh, I know what we're watching for the next movie club. Oh, uh, where's it streaming? You know that's that's one of the. the, the... Uh, I think it's I think it's streaming on HBO Max. Oh, and and uh, I guess you know probably should have mentioned this earlier, but as as part of movie club, uh, I think we've decided that all these movies are going to be something that is streaming on a popular app. Um, Alex see. wants free movies. That's what that's what he's trying to oh, say. Alex doesn't Alex want to. Alex has, Big Al has seventeen streaming services. If I can't find a movie on one of those, I'm gonna go read a fucking book. cheap fucking won't part with a goddamn sawbuck. Sawbuck. Um, but okay, so, so that, that being said, Legal Eagles was on Netflix and Hard Eight was on HBO Max. Yes. So Michael Mann's Heat Two is uh, it's truly underway now. Like it's actually moving forward. Um, and apparently, I did not know this. I'm, I like this article for another reason. Al Pacino's coming back uh, is, to reprise is, his role as, as Vincent Hanna, which is a fantastic, one of the best fucking roles you'll ever see. Um, Adam Driver is... Pacino's kid? No, I don't, well, I don't know. It doesn't tell me who... Um, the article doesn't go on to mention uh, what he would be playing. But I, uh, I'll give you this. I'll say this. <clears throat> that guy seems to be he doesn't he doesn't miss like he doesn't he doesn't have i i i don't know anybody who see i i kind of think he's the best part of the star wars movies right you mean when you mean when he basically played the same character as the bad guy from grandma's boy <laughs> yeah kind of. beep boop beep boop and having tantrums um, he was in a uh, Logan Lucky. He's I, I kind of think he's the best part of Logan Lucky too. And uh, this '65 movie that's out where he's fighting fucking dinosaurs, I think, is, is fantastic as well. So, um, <clears throat> but I'm I'm a big fan of this. I think this is an excellent casting, um, and I'm glad I'm glad they're taking a swing at this. Now, what I will say is I hope they don't fucking 2023 this movie. Um, I hope they make a good movie, but you know that will be seen. But if it's if it's got Pacino and Driver in it, then I'm I am it. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll have to guess I'll have to watch the first one. No, oh, you will. We will be watching it for the the, the next movie club whenever it is again. Um, <laughs> so I know I know that you are um, very excited about that. I know he's one of your favorite movies. Um, another news tidbit that I noticed recently saw recently. Um, that I'm very excited about is uh, Tarantino has announced his 10th film. Um, anybody who is a Tarantino fan knows that Tarantino once upon a time stated, I don't remember if it was in an interview or, I mean, it had to have been an interview. He's going to make uh, the 10 fucking movies and then he was going to do 10 movies and then he yeah. was out. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been a lot of, you know, uh, speculation about those movies, whether we were going to get a sequel to something uh, once upon a time, you know, Mr. Blue and and uh, what is it, Vince Vega, uh, John Travolta's character from Pulp Fiction were supposedly brothers, mm-hmm. um, and we were going to get that spinoff. And there's just been a lot of uh, speculation, but apparently we are getting a movie called The Movie Critic. Yeah, I think Tarantino typically works in twos, so he'll make you know he made two westerns. He made two ninja movies with Kill Bill. He made two pulp movies with Pulp Fiction and uh, Reservoir Dogs. It kind of seems like it seems like uh, Tarantino to me has always seemed like he tells a story and in one movie. Somehow Jackie Brown and um, Inglorious Bastards are related. Oh yeah, <laughs> but I think he made a movie about Hollywood with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I think he's going to mm-hmm. make another movie about Hollywood with the movie critic. That's something he's from LA. He loves Hollywood. He loves old Hollywood. He loves mo- the movie making industry. So, I'm sure that he. Uh, I'm sure that that's what he's going for. And uh, it'll probably be another three hour character building study and things like that. And I'm sure you know it's great. But um, um, I love. I love one spot. Uh, another. So. Uh, it is possible to start from the Hollywood Reporter. It's possible the story focuses on Pauline Kael, one of the most influential movie critics of all time. Yeah, he likes that too. You know, he likes taking real stories and Tarantino. Mm-hmm. It, so, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah I'm excited. I, I, I'll watch it. I'll absolutely watch it. All right. I well, that, that is. That will be very interesting. 
that is time, Alex. Thank you for coming. Thank you for uh, talking movies with me. Movies. Um, can't wait to do it again. And uh, do you have anything to plug? Uh, no, I don't. Don't you don't have maybe a social media site you want people to go to? Or... Oh, geez, I you know I I I started an Instagram. I don't remember what it's called. You uh, don't have your own Instagram. Well, no, you don't I, want. I mean, I got my to... personal, but it was, yeah. It, I'll, I'll I'll put something together. We'll we'll plug it next time. You don't have to put anything together. Just if people want to reach out to you, if they want to say, "Hey, great job!" All right, you know, it's fine. Well, it's fine. Everything's awful. I shouldn't have never done this. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Not a problem. I'll talk to you next time. All right, bye, buddy. How was that, everybody? That was great. Uh, Alex and I uh, just uh, got done talking some movies. Hey, everybody! I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, that was a lot of fun of an episode to do. Join us next week for another fun episode. I've got something. Uh, I've got something pretty good for you guys. I think you're gonna be really, really excited to come next Wednesday. But uh, but yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, you can follow the show. Follow the show on the Void with the D Man on Instagram, and you can also follow me personally on Twitter at i Danny Diaz at uh, on twitter um thanks guys for joining us here and uh can't wait to talk to you next week bye